0: Welcome back folks I am your host the NFL always offseason GM and we got our Super Bowl preview episode this week as always it's a it's going to be a great show planned for you here today we're going to lead off with the breaking news uh jumping some of the the big storylines that came out on the the NFL transaction and uh newswire in the past week and then as always we're going to provide you with the coaching carousel update now that all the positions have been filled and uh well, technically they've all been filled, but we'll we'll jump into that in a minute. And then we're going to run right over into the Super Bowl preview. We're going to make sure we give you a little bit of analysis from what we're going to be looking out for. And then we're going to make our picks and give you some of our favorite Super Bowl prop bets because tis the season everybody loves hearing about those prop bets. There's a lot of crazy stuff out there. And then we're going to round out the show with our top five lists for interior defensive linemen, edge defenders and off-ball linebackers from the 2021 season. So make sure you stick around for that as well. But uh without further ado, let's get right after it here. So leading right off the breaking news segment here, there was some big news coming down off of the Pro Bowl weekend. I know that there was a Pro Bowl game this weekend. We're not going to discuss it. Uh the, the game itself is pretty atrocious. Uh, I, I like some of the skills competition and stuff that they're doing with it. But nonetheless, the big news that came from the Pro Bowl as it was in Las Vegas was the the arrest of Alvin Kamara uh, on a battery charge in Las Vegas. Allegedly, it was him and three other men uh, ganged up on a, a gentleman and uh, beat him and broke a, a couple bones in his face and sent him to the ER with some pretty threatening injuries. And uh, he was taken into custody, arrested, and it remains to see what, what's going to happen there. I'm not going to speculate on what's going to happen here. I'd imagine some we're going to get some type of suspension. Uh, there's some very serious charges, and it's a, it's it's pretty embarrassing. And the trend of football in Las Vegas is is continuing to get a little bit darker each each and every week or each and every month when we we continue to power through this thing. So unfortunately, that's some bad news. But it's, it looks like uh, Alvin Kamara is going to be missing some time in the near future here. And the last uh, player story. I wanted to hit on here before we got to the coaching stuff is going to be the one about Kyler Murray. So there was a really interesting report yesterday that Kyler Murray um, unfollowed the Cardinals on all of his social media. Uh, he took down all of his uh, pictures, I believe, on his Instagram. He has nothing left except, I think it's like a touchdown pass to Mike Evan. And either Kyler Murray's doing like the ultimate troll job and looking to just start some offseason drama on the internet, or uh, he's legitimately upset with the Cardinals, and uh, honestly, you you can't blame him. Uh, they kind of went right into the tank in the second half of the season last year. They got really embarrassed in that playoff game against the Rams where they were trounced by multiple scores, and he looked just really bad. Uh, I'm not sure Uh, what he because honestly I I place a lot of the blame on his shoulders for the second half uh, collapse here with Arizona I don't think he was near the quarterback he was in the first half and it's been a growing trend as of recently so all these people can they can scapegoat Cliff Kingsbury all they want but I think a lot of this blame falls square on Kyler so I'm not exactly sure why why he's so frustrated but it's a situation worth monitoring uh, if he looks to ask out there's a lot of teams that are looking for a good quarterback And with the quarterback crop in this rookie class not looking quite as good as it has in years past, uh, there might be some teams really willing to to shell out some capital to get him to come into the house. So Kyler Murray seems to be a little disgruntled, and we'll have to keep an eye on that moving forward. And then the last thing that we're going to hit on here in the breaking news segment is going to be the the coaching carousel that uh, was filled since the last episode. So I know we hit on Matt Eberflus to the Bears, Nathaniel Hackett to the Broncos, Brian Dabble to the Giants, uh, Josh McDaniels to the Raiders. The positions that have been filled since are going to be Kevin O'Connell to the Vikings. Kevin O'Connell is the OC for the Rams. Uh, he's been doing a really good job underneath uh, Sean McVay. And the the tree of Sean McVay continues to get a little bit bigger as you have guys like Matt, uh, Matt LaFleur underneath it. I'm really spacing Mike LaFleur underneath it. Uh, They also stem off of the Kyle Shanahan tree there. And uh, there's another guy that we're going to get to here in a second. But my opinion is is that the big thing with uh, Kevin O'Connell is what is he going to do with Kirk Cousins? It's a huge decision. He's in the last year of his contract. It's fully guaranteed, so it's on the books. So their only option may be to trade him. And I'm not exactly sure of the contract details. I could pull them up here. But I'm... I'm curious because they can go in two directions. They can try to build this thing up. You still got Dalvin Cook. You still got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. You got some really key pieces on this offense. Uh, and along that offensive front, it didn't look too bad either. I, I believe it's a uh, Ezra Cleveland's there. They got uh, Christian Dariusaw. They got a uh, Garrett Bradbury, who didn't look terrible. Brian O'Neill. There's there's a lot of small pieces here that there's not a lot to build from you could you can really hit the ground running on this thing and uh, i I won't go through piece by piece on the defense because they still got some pieces there as well but uh, i'll be very curious to see because they could do like a little mini rebuild they could ship out kirk and get the a different guy in there that they're looking to fit their timetable or they could try to roll it back here with kirk and just kind of build around them so a situation worth monitoring there uh with minnesota heading back down to Jacksonville. The Jaguars actually get the guy that we called and uh, said that that's, that's who they should have hired on day one. It's going to be Doug Peterson. Uh, Doug Peterson, former Super Bowl winning head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles, took the year off last year. He comes back to, to the Jacksonville Jaguars situation to try to right the ship there and uh, coach up Trevor Lawrence. And it sounds like uh, Trent is going to be still in-house, but uh, I know on a uh, the NFL Stock Exchange episode. I know Connor Rogers was mentioning that it looks like as though they're going to try to bring in an outside candidate to, to have Belke report to them. It sounds like it might be Rick Spielman from the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, it's just rumors floating around there. But nonetheless, I really, really like this hire for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think this is the kind of guy that's going to really help get Trevor Lawrence turned around. He's a really great guiding voice. He helped get the most out of Carson Wentz. Uh, they helped get the most out of Nick Foles. He's had some history there in Kansas City when Alex Smith was there and did really well. Uh, I just really like this hire. I think it's it's going to be a, a steady voice that uh, people are going to really respect. He's got a really good track record showing that he's won before, and I think he can try to come and kind of install that here with the Jacksonville Jaguars as they they got a lot to build off of. I know they got a ton of cap space. They got some really high value picks, so the, they got the the right infrastructure here to get it done. Uh, And I think Doug Peterson really is the guy to get it done. So Jaguars get Doug Peterson. They get a really good, really good coach there. Which leads us right into our next one. And this is going to be the other guy from the Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay tree. And it's going to be Mike McDaniel uh, with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I don't think McDaniel ever worked directly underneath Sean McVay. He mostly worked with Kyle Shanahan, kind of bouncing with him from stop to stop. But uh he was the run game coordinator for the san francisco forty ers this past year. I believe the o c there and uh the dolphins get their guy they bring him over to help try to bolster their offense as they kind of were stuck in cement for most of the year uh mainly due to the due to their run game as a uh, i believe it's they haven't had a top ten offense. I think I've seen a stat out there since nineteen ninety five which is absolutely crazy but uh Mike McDaniel really heralded as one of the n f l geniuses uh he he hails from Yale I believe he was a wide receiver he played at Yale and then as soon as he got graduated he joined up with as uh, a graduate assistant I believe like the Denver Broncos or something like that and uh, made his way to the Kyle Shanahan tree and kind of bounced with him from stop to stop really being an int- integral part of what he's been building on offense and it sounds like he's a big part of their run game and what makes them so successful so I I had a lot of faith. I actually really wanted to see Mike McDaniel go to the Minnesota Vikings. I thought he could get really creative with what they already have there for pieces along the offensive line and having Delvin Cook back there. But he's going to get a chance to start from scratch as this is one of, if not the worst uh, offensive line unit in the NFL with the Miami Dolphins. And they really don't have exactly uh, a back in the backfield there other than Miles Gaskin. So there's going to be a lot of potential there they have another really interesting swiss army knife piece and uh, jalen waddle who had a really phenomenal uh, rookie season and I, I i know someone's made this comparison before i believe it's trevor sigma on the same uh, nfl stock exchange episode that uh they can try to use him in that debo role and obviously he has a much different build he's not as he's not as thick as debo he's not as big but he, he's got the same like dynamic traits to him where you just need to get the ball in his hands and get him in space to make something happen and whether that's you know 15 20 yards down the field or if that's you know on a handoff or a reverse out of the backfield I think Mike McDaniel's going to get really creative with this offense and really flip it around for the Miami Dolphins so great hire for them it'll just remain to be seen who they could bring in for assistance around them or if they're going to make them take in-house candidates and then the last one, or excuse me, not the last one, the second to last one, is going to be the New Orleans Saints uh, end up promoting from within. They take Dennis Allen as the D.C. and they make him the head coach. Uh, I believe Dennis Allen has been working under Sean Payton, and I think the the mantra here is going to be try to maintain kind of what they've been building the last couple decades under Sean Payton, and having Dennis Allen be, been under his umbrella for so long that he can kind of keep that in place and keep building off of that culture. Uh, I believe Dennis Allen previously had an unsuccessful stint in Oakland. He had a, was the head coach there for a couple of years, had some really bad seasons, and was on his way out into the beginning of his third. And then he, he comes over, and then it really helps kind of turn this New Orleans defense around. They get guys like uh, Cameron Jordan, they get uh, Marcus Lattimore, Malcolm Jenkins, all these different kind of players that are really dynamic and really have kind of take that unit from being one of the worst in the league to being one of the more high turnover, upper echelon ones in the league. So I I like the idea of trying to, to keep the culture because it's really been a, a winning team for a, a very long time, ever since they won the Super Bowl with Drew Brees there back in 2009. They've really been able to maintain and even this year, I, I know they were, I believe it was like 9 and 8, but they were still extremely competitive. They, were, they weren't they were bounced from the playoffs until the very last week of the season. So I'm, I'm okay with this hire as well, too. And I'll just be really curious to see what they can do on the offensive side of the ball if they look to promote somebody from within for the offensive coordinator position or if they're going to try to go outside the organization and bring someone in that can kind of bring some new life into it. So Dennis Allen, the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, And I saved the best one for last year because this one continues. I know I hit on it with the last pod, but we're going to really touch on it here again. And the Lovey Smith hire as the Houston Texans head coach makes zero sense to me at all. So last week it was rumored that it was narrowed down to Brian Flores and uh, Josh McCown as the front runners. And then all of a sudden there was some really weird rumblings on, I believe it was like Sunday or Monday, and we're recording this pod Tuesday night, and there was some really weird rumblings that, you know, they were bringing Lovey Smith in to talk. And the all-time greatest thing that I read today was going to be the quote from Lovey Smith that said, "I didn't. I don't know exactly when I became a candidate, <laughs> and I don't understand how you get this far in the process. It's been almost two months since the season's been done. It's a month, and." You hire a guy that didn't even know he was a candidate until about three days ago after you interviewed a guy that was a finalist for your job that's never coached a day in the NFL in his life. So just completely just nonsensical process here by the Houston Texans. And it's almost laughable how they're an organization at this point. Uh, I would expect a lot more from Nick Casario her- uh, heralding from that that New-, New England Patriots tree, but that's ex- this is exactly the nonsense that I would expect out of Jack Easterby and uh, the, the McNair owner there in Houston. So, Lovie Smith, uh, he did have a couple of successful runs there in uh, Chicago. I believe he made it to the Super Bowl one time. Uh, really getting the most out of their defense there, and he's always been a defensive guy. He was the associate head coach and really helped on the defensive side of the ball as an assistant this past year for the Texans. But uh, he had a really failed stint there as well as the the Illinois football head coach for college and uh, was actually on the outs the season before this last one. So it'll be interesting to see what they do here. This is I have no idea what direction this team is heading. Uh, I believe they only had four returning starters on the defensive side of the ball uh, last I, I heard. And on the offensive side of the ball, there there's also not much you're going off. I of hear, I know, Rex Burkhead looked all right. Uh, Nico Collins, uh, their third-round draft pick at receiver. And what do you do with Davis Mills? There's a lot of big question marks. So, Lovey Smith is going to have his work cut out cut out for him. And hopefully he can get a, a fairer crack at it than David Cully got, only being one season. So, hopefully they keep him around for a couple more. And he's really given a real chance to to make this work. Just because uh, I'd like to see him succeed, because I kind of I feel like he got the, the, the short end of the stick there in Chicago, but nonetheless, the head coach for the Houston Texans, Lovey Smith.: We finally have made it. We're here, and we get to see the big showdown between the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals for the Super Bowl. And uh, this is where we're going to do our preview here. I know we've been putting it off. I wanted to make sure we did it the week of. And uh, I think it's going to be a really great game. I think we've got some really great storylines. And I'm going to go through a few of them right now to, to see what our favorite ones are. And I'm going to lead it right off with our fav- our favorite storyline here. And the best storyline, in my opinion, is going to be the, the Rams playing in their backyard. Because we've seen, uh, I, I believe it was a home field advantage for the Bucks last year. They, did, they were the first team to ever do so. And the reason I'm saying that this is the best storyline is because everybody thinks it's this great advantage to have this home field advantage especially in the Super Bowl but we've seen in the past that these Los Angeles teams they just can't quite get the same amount of fans out there they can't they, they don't show up they don't come to the games uh, like the like your normal fans do so i just haven't really been impressed with the home field advantage for them and i don't think it's really existent i think you're going to you almost might even see more bengal's fans than rams fans in this instance so i think that's something that's going to be really key to watch because like i said it's only ever happened in super bowl history one other time and it was just the year prior so like i said i think this is the biggest storyline to watch cuz if that if that crowd is full of blue and yellow and they're packing it full and they're getting rowdy and they're getting loud it's going to be a long day for Joe Burrow I don't I don't think a lot of things shake him, but in terms of game planning and hearing the snap count going on silent count stuff like that I think that could be a huge advantage for the Rams if they finally do show up if they don't and it's half and half or even if it's more Bengals fans it's going to sway in favor the other way so that's the number one storyline for me a couple of the other ones that I thought really interesting is Sean McVay and uh his former assistant, Zach Taylor, was his quarterback's coach in uh, the Los Angeles before taking the Cincinnati Bengals job. Uh, he came over. That, that's also a really big storyline just because uh, everybody thought that, hey, if you've had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay and years prior, <laughs> you're shooing to be a, a future NFL head coach. And for a while there, it seemed like it was true, and it, it seemed like it was going to be kind of like the, the Belichick tree where all the assistants never really pan out. But here in like year three or four for Zach Taylor, it's finally starting to come together. And it come together in a really big way. He gets to have the biggest showdown with his former boss on the biggest stage. Uh, I know that everybody probably knows by now the, the number one pick showdown. So Matt Stafford, uh, former number one overall pick, I believe it was 2009, facing off against Joe Burrow, former number one overall pick, 2020. And it's another big, sh- another big one here just because I believe it's, I read somewhere that it's the longest. It's the the number one pick that's been in the league the longest to make the Super Bowl was Matt Stafford. The number one pick that's been in the league the shortest to make the Super Bowl is Joe Burrow. So you kind of double up on storylines there. Uh, Both of these guys, really highly touted guys coming out of college uh, for different reasons, different types of game. But nonetheless, they get to show down in the biggest stages of them all. Another huge storyline in this one is going to be Aaron Donald playing in his first, or excuse me, uh, trying to get his first Super Bowl ring because I believe he was he was still, he was with the team when they played New England a few years back. But uh, no, he's trying to get his first uh, Super Bowl ring. Uh, you you seen it was very clear that that's that's the only thing that's on his mind. As you know, last game he's walking around pointing to his finger, saying he need, needs himself a ring. And honestly, like like I said, it's one of the only blemishes currently still on his. Hall of Fame resume, which is, I mean, I pretty much think he's a lock, but to be considered in like the pantheon of like these historic NFL players, uh, a Super Bowl ring is some the last thing that he needs in his arsenal. And I, I definitely think uh, he's got a good shot at it here. I think he's got the best shot he's had in a while. And that kind of like leads right into our next uh, storyline matchup here is going to be how this, this Bengals offensive line that's just so terrible – and has given up so many sacks, I mean, just as uh, recently as like nine sacks to a few weeks back to the Tennessee Titans, who are not even in the same, well, I shouldn't say that. They're they're similar in terms of defensive front, but they're not in the sa- uh, same area code here as the, the Los Angeles Rams with a guy like Aaron Donald, especially against some of those interior guys. I know we mentioned it on last week's pod. It almost seemed like as if they were rotating guards just because they're getting beat up so bad inside. And... Who better to face off against other than the best interior defensive lineman of the last 50 years of football maybe ever so that's going to be a huge matchup to monitor I'm I'm really curious to see how they're going to get some help inside I mean it's not like an edge rusher where you can chip Uh, I guess you could set the back to help inside out rather than outside in or away from the slide uh, when in terms of Aaron Donald but it's going gonna, it's gonna to really affect how they play this football game and how quick they have to get the ball out. And it's really going to put a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow to escape and see what he can do in terms of being a creative quarterback and moving around the pocket. So that's going to be our last favorite storyline there. I just wanted to take a jump into like a preview of the game here and make sure that we, we kind of talk about some of our favorite matchups Uh, what we think is going to happen, and then I'll make a little prediction and and let you guys know what I think is going to happen in terms of the game on Sunday. So we get a big-time showdown. It's a huge offense in the Los Angeles Rams. They are the 7th-ranked scoring offense, ninth in terms of yardage, going to go up against the Cincinnati Bengals defense that I believe is like 17th or 18th overall and scoring and yardage. So you're getting a a very middling defense in this Bengals team facing off against kind of a juggernaut, a top 10 offense in this Los Angeles Rams team. And I think it's a big-time matchup to monitor just because when we're taking a look at it, I think that this Bengals defense has kind of figured something out here in the playoffs. I don't think they're the same uh, beast that was playing in the regular season against some of these teams that has given up kind of a stinker uh, the Los Angeles Chargers when they gave up like 40 some points I think they've kind of figured it out and I think that this run defense is kind of the main thing that they lean on as well too I know DJ Reader I believe is he's or no excuse me Larry Ogunjobi is the one that got hurt and he's been out but DJ Reader's really stepped up I know Tyler Shelvin's a huge body in the middle of that run defense and then you you got guys like Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard that not only are able to rush the passer and be like these big power rushers off the edge they're still able to kind of force their will in the run game as well too. And their second level guys like Logan Wilson are are, are not nothing to sneeze at either. So I really like that matchup. And I think that, you know, as it, as the stats show is that this is kind of a middling defense, but I think they're a lot more than that. I think they've really figured something out. I think they're going to give the Rams their best game because their strength is something that the, the Rams are really bad at. It's their run game. They're not able to run the ball really that effectively. Cam Akers, hasn't looked like the cam makers of old uh from prior to the injury uh sony michelle really doesn't have it all that figured out they're they're just basically running the ball to hold you hold you accountable which is going to put a lot of pressure on the the rams pass game and these uh cincinnati dbs who for the most part in the playoffs here have really stepped up to the plate you get a jesse bates and the 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 deep half secondary safety you get uh Chidobia Wouzier, you get Mike Hilton in the slot. They got some really decent guys. Eli Apple's even looked very good as of recent as well, too. So there's there's some big-time matchups you're gonna get here. You know, Eli Apple against Odell, you're gonna get uh Chidobia against uh Cooper Cup or Mike Hilton against Cooper Cup. And can, can they keep up with them? Can they keep up with the high-flying uh, attack that they have? And this Rams offensive line really protects. Very, very well. They're one of the best in the league, so it's it's going to put a lot of emphasis on this this coverage team, as they might not be able to heat them up as much as they're really hoping to. Uh, we flip it over to the other side of things. We get this Los Angeles Rams defense against this Cincinnati Bengal offense, and the Ram defense is going to come in at 15th in scoring and 17th in yardage, uh, which is a little bit flawed in my opinion because I think they're a little bit better against the run. And honestly, and they're a big time turnover team as well. They're top 10 in turnovers. So they're it's another one of those numbers that's kind of hidden inside there. You gotta kind of peel back the layers. It's like an onion, you gotta peel back the layers to get to the middle of it because I think this Rams team is also playing much, much, much better than what their their stats have been suggesting. Uh, going up against this Bengals offense, that's seventh in scoring and thirteenth in yardage. And Anybody that's watched a Bengals game this year knows that they like to do their chunk plays. They like to kind of force you to put pack the box. They like to try to force you to respect Joe Mixon. And then they're going to hit you with shot plays over the top. I mean, that's how Jamar Chase made an absolute killing. I think he's averaging like over 17 yards a catch, 18 yards a catch. So th- that connection is something that I'm really going to lean on. And that's that's one of the props I want to make sure that we get to later on in the show here. But nonetheless, I think that that's that's going to be a huge matchup going the other way is I know that the Rams are going to stop the run, especially with Aaron Donald inside and some of these these uh box defenders that they have playing for them. I think that they're going to really do a really good job between him and Ashan Robinson and some of these backers, but it's going to be how does how does this pass defense shut down all of these weapons? So you got Jalen Ramsey trying to shut down Jamar Chase, which is fine. I think that that's a really great matchup in terms for the Rams. Jalen Ramsey's a phenomenal cover corner and does a phenomenal job shutting down a lot of these big-time receivers. And, you know, Jamar Chase is big-time, but he's still a rookie receiver. But, okay, so who, who are we putting on T Higgins? This guy's 6'5" he's 65. He's he's like re AJ excuse me AJ Green reincarnate. Like I mean that that ain't going to be enough for a guy like this. So then on top of it you got Tyler Boyd who's a v- extremely consistent guy in the slot who catches everything that you throw at him. So that's going to be another big time matchup. It's going to be something to really key on. I think they're going to be able to heat up Joe Burrow. I think they're going to be able to stop the run, but against the blitz, Joe Burrow's one of the best in the league. So keep it coming they're going to say and we're just going to get the ball to our guys on the outside so the last thing I wanted to hit on here with the the Super Bowl preview was going to be some of the gambling stuff on that side of things and obviously this isn't this isn't gambling advice Uh, this is just some some cool bets where we're going to make out on them Uh, if you want to use them go ahead but uh, like I said it's not gambling advice uh, and it's up to your discretion at that so leading right off of it, uh, currently the excuse me, Los Angeles Rams are favored by 4 over the Cincinnati Bengals. So plus 4 for the Bengals, minus 4 for the Rams. And uh, I really like the Bengals plus 4. Uh, and I'm just going to come right out and say it. I'm taking the Rams to win this game outright. So if you're looking to hit the money line on that, you, you could do that. But I, I'm taking the Bengals plus 4. I think the Rams are going to end up winning by 3. I think it's going to be a real tight shootout game. So that's why I'm also going to go over on the points. They're currently set to over under at 48 and a half. But I'm I'm definitely going to go with the over on that. And the Rams win in by three. And uh, we'll get into some of the the props that tie into that as well here in in just a second. But I I think it's going to be high scoring affair with two big time offenses that live on some, like the Bengals, they live on big plays. And the Rams are known for slinging the ball around and not really running it that well. So that's why I think it's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be all about these offenses and not a whole lot of defense. Maybe just enough to win the game for for somebody, but offense is going to be the huge emphasis here. So rolling right along, uh, I mentioned that I wanted to hit on some of the, my favorite props for the game on Sunday. And the first one I want to lead off with that I think is just an absolute lock is going to be both teams rushing total under 190.5 yards. So basically what that's saying is the combined team total is going to be less than 191 yards. So if it hit, they go for 190 combined, you win. But I really like this just because I think like, I mean, Joe Mixon hasn't gone over like 60, 70 yards in weeks now. And he's been doing more of his damage as like an all-purpose back. And on the flip side of things, I, I Cam Akers might have went over uh, 60 yards in like his debut and Sony Michelle really isn't lighting the world on fire either and when I look at the heart of this Bengals defense their run defense is absolutely superb Uh, with DJ Reader, Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard all playing in that front seven and you could really flip the script and say the same thing about the Rams with Aaron Donald and A'shaun Robinson, Leonard Floyd and uh, Von Miller so I really like the under on this one for the rushing yards for combined teams. Uh the next the next prop that I really like as well, too, is gonna be Joe Burrow's first TD pass this is gonna be over twelve and a half yards. When you think of this this Bengals offense, it's all about big plays. Uh when, when they get inside the red zone, they seem to sputter out a little bit and kind of lean on their field goal kicker. But you think about some of these chunk plays, I think like Jamar Chase averaging like about eighteen yards a catch. So for him to hit the over on this on his first touchdown pass. I think it's really likely. So you just got to hit 13 or more yards for it and you're basically a winner on this one. So sign me up for that. Joe Burrow first T D pass over 12 and a half. The next one I really like is going to be the longest field goal is going to be over 47 and a half yards. We think back to Evan McPherson in this one and the the dude's been lighting the world on fire. Uh, He's been making every single kick. He's got absolute ice water in his veins. He he doesn't seem to be shaken by anything when he steps out on the field. And he's got an absolute leg on this guy. So I I think that really that this one is definitely within range. Uh, I believe he nailed a 50-yarder one of the last couple weeks here as well, too, just to win the game. So could you imagine doing that in the last less pressure situation in the middle of the game. Uh, he he's got all four quarters to do it. It doesn't gotta be a game winner. So give me the over on the 47 and a half yarder. And then also in, in terms of field goals, I got a lot of good field goal ones in here. So I'm, I'm I'm pretty pretty proud of that. I went in this deep into it. But uh the the shortest field goal, I'm gonna take the over on that. It's 27 and a half yards. So basically that's a field goal from like the 10 yard line or less is something that they're not gonna take. And if you think about it I think both of these teams are if you get in within 10 yards and you know, unless the games on the line right at the end I think that they're taking you know they're going for the touchdown here they're going to play the the analytics as the people like to call it now uh football game and they're going to try to score even on fourth down so that's why I like the, the 27 and a half on, on the over on that one And then the last field goal one I wanted to make sure I included on here is going to be, will the Super Bowl field goal record be broken? And in my opinion, if you're going to kick a – the field goal record's 54. So basically you're saying that they're going to kick it over 55 or longer. And I think that that's – with McPherson, the way he's kicking, uh, I know Matt Gay's been a, a little bit nicked up on the Rams side of things, but he's – He's been able to boot some longer ones as well too, and they're playing in a dome, so it's going to be ideal condition. So I think it's a really good shot that this actually could hit here, and especially if you're looking to get like double the odds here, if you're if you're gambling on. I believe it was like plus two hundred originally, or plus it was plus five hundred originally. And it was down to like plus two hundred last I checked. So I think that's a pretty pretty easy one to hit on as well too, because. Don't quote me on this, but I believe McPherson's already beat that range sometime this postseason. Moving right along, the the other one that I really liked, which the odds on this one, I'm just going to lead off with this is it's plus 750. So basically, if you think the Rams are going to win, but that the Bengals are going to cover, this is the bet for you because the Rams to win by exactly three is plus 750. So bet 100 bucks, you win 750. So that that is really really good odds and I'm convinced that this is gonna be a field goal game. We look at the, like the last like eight playoff games from the last two rounds, they've all been decided by a field goal or less. And I really like the Rams in this one. I think that they're just a more complete team all around. So that's why I'm going with the three-point margin. And basically you can make a pick 'em win under there. And in this case, it happens to be the Rams that get these odds. I think if you were to take the same outcome, but with the Bengals, your odds are even higher. But I like the Rams, that's why I'm giving this one out. Alright, so that's going to be it for some of the, the gameplay, the the outcome odds on the props here. We're going to get into some more of these uh out there, uh, nonsensical ones that you can bet on because it's the Super Bowl. They have pretty much anything that you want to gamble on available for you. And the first one's going to be, who's going to be shown first between McVay and Taylor? And I think... I believe the odds on this one is McVay's favored, but I think this is like pretty much a virtual lock because how do you, when you, when you introduce Taylor, how are you going to introduce him? You're going to introduce him as McVay's former assistant. They're not going to say, Oh, Zach Taylor, this, this, and this, uh, his origins come from here. No, they're going to say his origins are from McVay and you're not going to introduce him before you can introduce McVay to some of these people. So... My opinion is McVay's gotta be the first one introduced here. They're the home team. Uh, he's the mentor in this situation. He's the what more well-known guy. He's the guy that's into in a, at his second Super Bowl already. I think that that's almost guaranteed to be a lock. The next one's gonna be who's gonna be shown first. It's gonna be between Kevin O'Connell, Raheem Morris, and Arumo and uh, Bill Callahan. Basically, all the the coordinators on both sides of the ball for each team. And in this one, I kind of took the low-hanging fruit on this one. I think he's the favorite as well, too. But it's gotta be Kevin O'Connell, right? Just because uh what what's gonna be the reason they show these coordinators? Like you gotta come up with a scenario where they're gonna mention it. And basically if you're gonna name one of these other coordinators, it that side of the ball has to stick out. So in my opinion, the only other reason you'd mention them is because they took a head coaching job, which I think is going to be some some filler at some point in the game that they're going to mention. And O'Connell's the only one of these guys that has taken a job. You know, Raheem Morris might be a a, a spicy bet there if they get like an early turnover or something like that for the Rams. But I'm going to lean on the the head coaching thing because I'm, I'm guessing they're going to come out, they're going to score a touchdown, they're going to mention something about it. Yep, that's why this offense looks so good and that's why he's going to be the next Minnesota Vikings uh, head coach. So give me Kevin O'Connell as the... The first coordinator to be shown then the next one is going to be uh, will the Super Bowl receiving record be broken and I should have included this one at the top here because this really isn't that much of nonsense but I like this one because if you think about Jamar Chase and some of the damage he's done this season I think he's went over like 200 some yards a couple different occasions so it's not like that this is completely insane that it could happen so I, that's why I like it here. But also, if you look on the flip side of things, who's going to match up with Cooper Cup in this this Bengals secondary that's uh, going to take him away? I mean, he's he's 12 yards shy of the regular season record for Calvin Johnson. And and I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast. And, he, I mean, he's within throwing distance of this Larry Fitzgerald one as well. So, like, it's not that crazy to think that he's possibly having the best receiver season we've ever seen. So why wouldn't the Super Bowl record be not within his grasp as well. So I think we got a couple of really good options. And uh, that makes me think that it's plausible it gets beat. I believe uh, the number they they had here for the Super Bowl record is 215 yards. So it's a lofty expectation, but it's, it's definitely doable, in my opinion, with these guys. Uh, the next prop is going to be, are they going to show a picture of Joe Burrow smoking a cigar? And I like, I think it was like plus 600 on this one, or plus 300. So it's really good odds, and I think it's guaranteed because if you think back the last like three weeks, the Bengals have been smoking cigars every single week when they beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the regular season, when they won their first playoff game, when they won their second playoff game. Uh, they've been doing it all year, so like, w- there's got to be a shot out here where he's doing this. And even if they throw it back to the national championship when they won that one, sitting in the locker room, he's got another picture out of that. So the odds of them showing one of these pictures is really good because what does Joe Burrow do? He's a winner. And, they, and this is what the public wants to see. They love this guy. So I think it's really good odds that they show that as well, too. And then the next one that I want to do is going to be the over-under on pro athletes in commercials. And you think about it, it's a Super Bowl. And I'm just going to start off with it. And it's not even pro athletes. I think it's like NFL, uh, NBA, NHL. And it's set at 7.5. So if we think back, I believe it was two Super Bowls ago. When they did that NFL commercial where they had like 20 different like former like Hall of Famers like showing up in it. I mean, you would have crushed you would have crushed this bet right there. So if they do anything along them lines or you think about it, you get three commercials with three guys in it. you're clinched already right there. So I don't think seven and a half is really that high of a number. And you th- you think about a lot of these commercials, they have multiple guys in them. And I mean, you're talking like 30 to 40 Super Bowl commercials. I'm thinking at least right so I think the odds on this one are pretty high as well, too, that you're going to hit over the, the over on that 7.5. And, and then the last one that I really liked, and this one is just complete nonsense, and you think about some of the things you can gamble on. I mean, you can gamble on how long the National Anthem is, what color shoes the performers are wearing, uh, in terms of who's singing the National Anthem, what they're going to be wearing, uh, just all these crazy things. The color of the Gatorade, which, by the way sleeper pick for me here is going to be orange, but the one that I like that I thought was really funny, because your halftime performers, it's going to be Eminem, Dr. Dre, uh, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, a whole crew of people there uh, in Los Angeles, and the one thing you can bet on is, is anybody going to smoke a blunt during this game? Uh, So basically, is anybody going to smoke marijuana during the game? And Snoop Dogg's in this. So, like, I'm guaranteeing that on the biggest stage in California, uh, Snoop's going to be, he's going to be light one up. And the odds on this, I believe, again, are, like, plus 300 on a thing that this guy's done on national television multiple times before. Like, what's going to stop him this time? He's at the biggest um, celebration, sports celebration in the nation. He's performing. He's on the biggest stage. Like, sometimes this is, like, the biggest performance most of these people are going to give out in their career. And you think that he's not going to do exactly what he's been known for his entire rapping career? No. I'm virtual lock on this one. So give me someone uh, smoking the, the reefer on national television for sure. So, like I said, I'll do a quick rundown here of all the props that I just gave out. Uh, both teams rushing, give, give me the under, 190 and a half yards. Joe Burrow first TD pass over 12 and a half. Uh, longest field goal over 47 and a half shortest field goal over 27 and a half. the rams by exactly three yes that the super bowl record a field goal record will be broken who will be shown first give me mcveigh who will be shown first for a coordinator on both sides uh, that's offense and defense give me kevin o'connell super bowl receiving record broken give me yes uh, Give me Joe Burrow's cigar picture shown. Yes. Over under on pro athletes and commercials. Seven and a half. Give me the over. Halftime performer is going to be smoking. Yes. So once again, that, that's a lot of stuff there. It's going to be a lot. And once again, you do not have to bet on it. That's just my opinion. Those are my favorite props I saw that I think are pretty for sure locks. And every single odds on them, all of them, I believe, are plus money or even bets. So hopefully uh, I'll be able to provide you with an update on these. It's going to be really hard to find some of the outcomes on these, but I really want to check back with you guys next week to see how we did on all these. So make sure you tune into the Super Bowl so you, you can watch out from as well too. And go Rams! As promised for our last segment here today, we're going to make sure that we jump back into our top five lists. And leaving off Uh, We did the offensive line last week. We're going to jump right into edge defenders this week. So starting at number five, the number five edge defender of 2021, in our opinion here, is going to be Trey Hendrickson for the Cincinnati Bengals. He ended up the season with 34 total tackles, 12 for a loss with 14 sacks. And he was really the, the key pass rusher on that Bengals defense. That's really come on as of late here, and it's really propelled them to the Super Bowl. How they finished the season as a team, seventeenth in scoring and eighteenth in yardage, but uh, not necessarily gaudy numbers there, but good enough to get them to the big dance here. And he's a huge part of what they're doing on that side of the ball. And he was a huge part of what they were able to able to get after Patrick Mahomes last week. And really, he's been doing it at a really high level the last couple of years. He had the big year, excuse me with the New Orleans Saints this past year after they had uh, Marcus Davidport miss extended time and it really kind of thrust him into the spotlight otherwise he was kind of that, that odd man out that third guy the last few years and that really was uh, the one big year there is what got him the, the deal with the Cincinnati Bengals as uh, he signed a huge free agent uh, dollar deal heading into this season so really making it worth his time and really kind of vaulting himself into this new stratosphere as one of the top edge defenders in the league. So Trey Hendrickson at number five for us here, which is going to take us right into the number four guy. And, you know, there's going to be a little bit of discussion around this gentleman and uh, where he deserves to be on this list in terms of number or in terms of position. But I, I had to make sure I got him on here somewhere because he was absolutely remarkable this season and it's going to be Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons ended up this season with 84 total tackles, 20 for a loss, and 13 for sack or 13 sacks. So the big thing for me on Micah Parsons is his tackle numbers are going to be a little inflated because he did play off the ball for part of the year here, but he also filled in in a pinch when they were down, like some of their best guys, they're down Randy Gregory, down Tank Lawrence, and he was just generating pass rush at an supreme level this season and really him and Trayvon Diggs kind of are the main factors here that turn this Dallas defense around from being one of the worst units to being a respectable one in 2021. Uh, Micah Parsons and his draft profile the thing I really always liked about him was his ability as a pass rusher? I didn't think he was going to be this good. Like I, I thought maybe like this is going to be like an Anthony Barr type of dude that you know you can play him off the ball, but when you want to drop him down and blitz him or drop him and kind of give a different look and have him be like this edge guy coming off the side or the, the side of the formation here, like he's going to really be able to give you some multiple fronts there. But I mean, he's profiling as like one of the best pass rushers in the entire league with some of these numbers so it's just it's crazy to me that he's come in and been able to make such a huge impact right off the bat but he ends up at number four on our list for edge defenders this past season as I really wanted to get him on here which is going to take us right into our number three edge defender and it's gonna be Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa for the San Francisco 49ers had a really like kind of quietly good season. He ends up with 52 total tackles, 21 for a loss, and 15 and a half sacks to go with uh, four for force fumbles as well. And he is the lifeblood of this San Francisco team and you watch a lot of these big games that they're having and the the number that's jumping off this defense right away every time is is Nick Bosa you look at some of the 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 biggest key moments who's making the play it's Nick Bosa and he's shown you this year what he can do when he's fully healthy for an entire year because he's had some nagging injuries the last couple that have really limited him but once once he gets his full arsenal of stuff out there and he's 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 ready to go at 100% He's an absolutely dominant player, and it's, it's it's shown by his numbers here. So I've been really impressed with Nick Bosa, and he's he's continuing to show that he's one of the premier pass rushers in this league, comes in at number three on our list. And that's going to take us right into our number two pass rusher from the 2021 season. This one might be a little bit, subje- uh, subje- <laughs> excuse me, what's the word I'm looking for? Controversial? Controversial? but either way Miles Garrett's coming in at number 2 on my list here. He ends up with 51 total tackles, 17 for a loss and 16 sacks. And really some of the the advanced numbers are a little bit better on Miles Garrett. Like he's getting pressure at like in historical level. Like this guy is an absolute world record coming off the side of the defense and he's really established himself as like a top 2 defensive top three top four defensive player in this league and he's extremely valuable not only to the the Cleveland Browns defense but to their team as a whole uh, He he's a true alien I've never seen a guy be as big as he is and as strong as he is but also be as as twitched up and as quick as he is and it really shows as he's, he's really put up some pretty gaudy numbers throughout his entire career and I would expect nothing less from him So Miles Garrett coming in at number two, and he has a real legitimate case for the Defensive Player of the Year if it wasn't for the number one guy on this list. And the number one guy, uh, the number one edge defender for the NFL in 2021 in our opinion, is T.J. Watt. This guy is leading the league in pretty much every single major statistical category. I believe he tied the NFL sack record with twenty-two and a half sacks this year. Added another sixty-four tackles, twenty-one for a loss, to go up with fifty—or excuse me, fifty-five. It'd be five forced fumbles, and that alone just speaks huge volumes. As I think this is hands down the defensive player of the year. Just with these numbers and what he does for this Pittsburgh defense between him and Cam Hayward, they they are this defense. Like there's literally not much playing behind these guys in terms of, of of good NFL talent. So all this pressure that he's getting, it's it's basically up to him to make it happen. So and he's been doing it at a, a huge clip this year. But the, the the really thing that clinched it for me here was, was this, him tying the sack record. And you can say with the extended season, that's the only reason he got it. But he did it in 15 games. So, I mean, this is actually a game less than what it used to be. So he's he still uh, eclipsed this record and gets it gets to put his name down there in can with Michael Strahan as the all-time season sack record. So hats off to TJ Watt and hats off because he should be your NFL defensive player of the year as well. Rolling it right over to the big boys that are going to help some of these edge defenders out inside uh, our top five interior defensive linemen for 2021 and starting the list right off at number five. It's going to be Danico Autry for the Tennessee Titans. And really, this is this is a surprise pick for me. I wasn't expecting this guy to make my list, but I'm I'm going through and looking at the numbers and I'm looking at what teams had really big time impact, uh, basically run defense and pressure from the inside. And Danico Autry just jumps off the page as you. This guy ended up with nine sacks this year. He had 31 total tackles, and he ends up having 10 for a loss. But what's more impressive to me, and this will come up again down the road here, but it's going to be that the Tennessee Titans had the second-best rushing defense in the NFL, and it's a huge credit to their inside guys uh, for making that happen because they were one of the most atrocious uh, defenses overall in the league this uh, this past year in 2020 I, if, if I go take a look here they were 24th in scoring and 28th in yardage if I take a look at their rushing defense they're right in the middle of the pack they're fat like 14th and excuse me 19th in yardage and 22nd in TDs allowed so that that's a huge jump and it's a true testament to the guys in the middle for the Tennessee Titans and Danico Autry definitely deserving of, of making this list and coming in at number five for us. And that's going to roll us right over into the number four defensive tackle for, excuse me, not defensive tackle, interior defensive lineman for 2021. And it's going to be Kenny Clark for the Green Bay Packers. And Kenny Clark ends up with four sacks on the season, 48 total tackles, and six uh, six tackles for a loss. So the numbers aren't necessarily that flashy that are going to jump off the page at you. But once again, this is a Green Bay defense that was vastly improved over what they had been the year prior. And really the, the guy behind him, Devontre Campbell, having the monster year is really a, a true credit to Kenny Clark for just eating up these double teams on the inside, and he's been one of these guys that's been doing the dirty work for year after year after year and really not getting any credit for it. But when as soon as you start watching the game and you start watching this Green Bay defense, any big play that starts in the run game it's going to start with this guy. So Kenny Clark, I think it's about time he gets some respect and he's going to be the number four interior defensive lineman for 2021 on our list. And that's going to roll us right into the number three defensive lineman. And I told you we were going to come back to this one, but it's going to be Jeffrey Simmons for the Tennessee Titans. So you can copy and paste a lot of what we just said about Danico Autry and put it in there for Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, the big difference for De- Jeffrey Simmons as he's getting some more of the, the volume stats were more piling up for him. So he was a half a sack behind Denico. He ends up with eight and a half, but he gets 54 total tackles and 12 to, uh, tackles for a loss. So he's just edging out, just barely edging out his, his partner there in both of those categories. And Jeffrey Simmons, uh, we think it back to the draft. He was drafted, I believe two years ago and he completely red shirted a full year in the NFL. And then pretty much last year was like his rookie year. And he, he, he didn't, He shows flashes, but he didn't really jump off the page. But this is his welcoming party this year. He showed that he's one of the truly elite run defenders in this entire league. And he's really eaten up pretty much everybody he faces. He's going to be an absolute wrecking ball to be be reckoned with. And he's really been rewarding the Titans for their patience and taking a guy that, like I said, was going to have the red shirt for a full year. So Jeffrey Simmons is definitely deserving of the number three interior defensive lineman. If not, he could even be higher on this list. But this is where he's coming in for us for 2021, which is going to take us right into our number two interior defensive lineman. And this is another guy that it was crazy when I was like going through these guys because another guy, like I thought he'd make the list. I didn't know he'd be number two on our list. But Cameron Hayward for the Pittsburgh Steelers at the, the ripe old age of 32 ends up with 10 sacks, 89 total tackles, and 15 tackles for a loss. Like, this guy, talk about having an absolutely elite year. I don't remember him ever having stats like this. And actually, as I say it, I'm going to try to pull him up here uh, to to see what he's got for his career. Because it, it's it's just banana land that this guy is getting these numbers, especially playing alongside TJ Watt. That's probably going to help him. Uh, but you would think that the, on the inside here, he's going to be eating up a lot more than double teams and freeing up TJ on the outside but uh, when you get two, two extremely difficult guys to to really keep in front of ya in the NFL like this, uh, it's going to make a big difference. And Cameron Hayward sh- showing that he's worth it, and he's he's still got the motor going at age 32 here for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So hats off to him. Another great NFL season, and hopefully he can keep it up heading into his age 33 year. But I think this next guy on the list is going to be pretty much no surprise to anybody but it's going to be aaron donald aaron donald uh is quite possibly the most impressive defensive player i've ever watched uh ever since i've started watching football what this guy's able to do at his size he's just one rock solid muscle and just manhandling guys i've never seen a defensive lineman get triple teamed in my life until i turned on the uh i've seen it happen in an nfl game to aaron donald uh, this season Donald ends up with 12 and a half sacks and 19 tackles for a loss to go with 84 total tackles and to see that happen from a guy that can play pretty much anywhere along the, the defensive front and all the while getting doubled and triple teamed all year is absolutely astounding uh like I said he might be the most do- dominant defensive player since possibly like Lawrence Taylor but I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to give this guy the NFL defensive player of the year over TJ Watt just for his impact that comes even when he's not making the play. Uh, like I said, drawing all those double and triple teams, it really opens things up for guys like Von Miller and Leonard Floyd to have big years and look really like really great players that they are. But uh, what the other thing that I really like about Donald is if, if they want, they can flip this guy out to like edge defender. And when He's like 6'2", 6'3", 285 pounds, but he's got the get-off of like a defensive end that's like running a four five. It's just this crazy athleticism paired with this just elitely strong, muscled-up body that has kind of made this like Frankenstein's monster of dominant NFL play for the last decade. So Aaron Donald... <laughs> one of the most impressive players I've ever seen and he'll always end up at number one on my list for interior defensive linemen and he does so here which takes us into our third position I said we were going to get to it and we're definitely doing it here it's going to be off-ball linebackers and uh just to keep the ball rolling here make sure we're staying good on time uh, the number five off-ball linebacker from 2021 for me is going to be Roquan Smith Roquan Smith had a a really sneaky good year for the Chicago Bears. He ends up with 163 tackles. He gets 12 tackles for a loss. He ends up with a touchdown and interception to go with. Uh, he actually ended up having no force fumbles, so I apologize there. But uh, Roquan Smith kind of just being that that rocket that flies all over the field, laying the boom on you in the run game, and really showing some, uh, some diversity here, getting three sacks, being able to rush the passer. So Roquan Smith, huge high draft pick out of Georgia for the Chicago Bears. He's always really showed flashes. And he was, he's been pretty consistent the last, about even last year was pretty decent. But uh, he he really explodes on the scene here, ends up top five in the league in ta- total tackles. And I really think that he's got a great trajectory for him. And uh, Matt Ibraflus is coming in from Indianapolis, and we've seen what he's been able to do with Darius Leonard. I think he's going to be able to do some really uniquely, Great things for Roquan Smith there as well, too. And he should be really excited about the player he's getting there in Chicago as he's one of the best in the league and number five on our list. And keeping it in the NFC North here, I'm going to go with another guy, and it's going to be Eric Kendricks for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, Eric Kendricks, another really great season for this guy as well, too. He's getting a little bit up there. He's more of a vet now at the age of 29, but ends up with 143 total tackles, eight for a loss, with five sacks. And he ends up with uh, two interceptions as well on the year here, and he's really this versatile guy that's at the second level there that's able to kind of move throughout the box and cover up some of these running backs out of the backfield and run with these tight ends a little bit as well too. And what I was most impressed with is a, the five sack number uh, for an interior defense or excuse me an interior linebacker is something that you don't really see a whole lot. And I know this this Vikings defense didn't always look great for most of the season this year, but uh, he he's one of the lone key pieces that you can really build off of between him and like Daniel Hunter. So I really liked what I saw there. And I think Eric Kendricks is a, is a is a big time piece that if they they decide to go for it again here in 2021, that can really help them do so. So Eric Hendricks, number four in er, inside linebacker. And then, once again, we're going to keep it in the NFC North here. And uh, I will start off by saying that I've never been more wrong on a player in my entire life than I was on Devondre Campbell as he comes in at number three on our list here. This this guy is one of, if not the main reason for the turnaround in Green Bay. Devondre Campbell ends up on the season with 146 tackles, uh, six for a loss, two sacks. And uh, he adds in two interceptions. And like I said, the reason that he shoots up my list is just the total impact that he's had on this Packers defense. They've, they've been missing this really dynamic second level defender and off the scrap heap, they kind of signed up Devondre Campbell. And I remembered him from his time with uh, the Cardinals and the Falcons and this long, this long haired dude that like was constantly getting toasted in coverage. He's making all these uh, lame tackles. He's not getting in the backfield. And He basically erased all those doubts and showed that he is capable of top-notch linebacker play and really being a leader on that entire Green Bay defense. Uh, Once again, he ends up top seven in tackles, and it was very apparent throughout the season as you're watching their games, and this is coming from a guy that's watched every single-packer game this season. Uh, He was all over the field. He's sideline to sideline. He's making a ton of plays at or behind the line of scrimmage, and once, once again, like he was the the biggest the biggest bargain deal that possibly ever. I mean, he was like a training camp signing that they they got a couple of weeks in and realized, hey, Chris Barnes ain't going to be enough. We're going to need another guy to help us back here. And he's done more than help him. He's absolutely elevated this team to a whole new level on the defensive side of the ball. So real credit to Devondre Campbell and hats off to him on probably his best NFL season and one that's going to be really hard to follow up on. And that's going to lead us right into our second linebacker. And uh, this is another guy that, you know, the, the stats aren't going to jump off the page for you. But it's the stuff that he does that's not going to end up on the stat sheet that really matters and really uh moves the needle for you in the right direction. It's going to be Fred Warner for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, behind Nick Bosa, he's the second most important player on this defense Uh, He ends up with 137 tackles. Excuse me, got to make sure I get his TFL number right. It's going to be seven TFLs, a half a sack. And uh, the shocking thing to me here is the no interceptions thing. Just because uh, my favorite part about his game is, you know, he's a sideline to sideline defender to begin with, and he's so fast. But he's so big and agile that he's, he's still able to run with these tight ends down the seam and kind of be an eraser where you don't have to steal a corner you don't have to steal a safety or a nickel or something along those lines to try to cover up some of these deficiencies in the middle of the field that we've seen nowadays at linebacker Uh, Fred Warner's an eraser just in himself and uh, you you could see it in that Green Bay game uh, a lot of people were nervous when he went down with that knee injury it's because he's such a huge part of that defense so Fred Warner coming at number two on my list no shock as he could any other year be number one But the guy that's number one on the list here is going to be well-deserving of the recognition as he was absolutely crazy, and it's going to be Darius Leonard. And I'm going to read through some of these stats here. And the first time I read through them, I I literally had to do a, a, a double take because I was like, there's no way these numbers are real. And he ends up with 122 total tackles, four for a loss, uh, he didn't have any sacks, but when we take a look at it, he had four interceptions and eight fumbles forced. So he's created 12 turnovers on his own. Uh, what I want to do here is I want to put it in perspective by like telling you how many turnovers uh, Trayvon Diggs ended up with this season. He ended up with 11. So this is a guy that's created one more turnover or put it in play one more time for his defense, which is just absolutely crazy to me. And when you take a look at this Colts defense, it's one of the top units in the entire league. They've really built that thing up. And the guy in the center of it, Darius Leonard, is the key piece in all of it. So I think he's well deserving of the number one uh, linebacker in my book. And he he secured the contract in the offseason to prove that he was worth it as well, too. So Darius Leonard, the number one linebacker in 2021 for the Indianapolis Colts. So that's going to be it for this week's show. Like I said, I just wanted to make sure we got through some of the breaking news. I wanted to make sure we hit on our top five list again. I wanted to make sure we gave a special attention to a Super Bowl preview on what we thought was going to happen, some of the analysis on the game, and some of my favorite props just because it's it's one of the most magical times of the year in the football calendar. So always wanted to make sure we hit on it. Uh, make sure you guys hit subscribe and make sure you're tuning in next week. Uh, We got another great show planned for you. I've been really trying to dive back into some of this uh, scouting stuff since we're really in that NFL draft range once the Super Bowl is done and over with here. So once again, big thanks to everybody, and hopefully we see you back here next week.